When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's the Friday of conference tournament week, and we're riding with a little CSN here to get you ready for the weekend. I'm Stephen Hartzell. I'm in Tampa. I'm in a hotel. I might be sitting here in my underwear and a t-shirt. Matt Norlander will never know. He's in New York City. Are you in New York City or are you in Connecticut? You going back and forth? What's the deal? Midtown Manhattan, my friend. I did not get back from the Big East tournament until about 12.50 last night that I stroll in. Um, did you get that New York slice and on the I walk can back? Guarantee- Say it again? Did you get that New York slice on the walk back? I got two New York slices. Give it a... Uh, I'm not the type to, uh, to rate on a 1 to 10 scale, if you feel me, but I give it a solid B plus on the New York scale. It was good. Uh, okay. Good size. Actually, not too big, but I got myself a New York slice right around the corner with my buddy Jeff Borzello. I can guarantee you that your hotel room is bigger than mine. Oh, yeah. Would be dude. willing to bet my life on it. Listen, I've got two beds. I've got a porch. I'm on the 20th floor. There's a patio. I'm looking out over Tampa. I can see water. Yeah, dude. Are you kidding? No contest. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in a studio. I'm in a studio room, which I'm fine with. And the great thing about New York is, uh, I can almost guarantee that anyone that's around me. Well, first of all, it's just straight up hard concrete. I, I think I could be soundproof in this room for all I know. Well, I'm not going to wake anybody up. Everyone's already gone, and even if they're awake, they're not hearing me. So, uh, I'm ready to rock. This is, by the way, as we, you know, I love this show every single year because uh, so much of what we're going to talk about it gets dated. I get that, but it is a stream of consciousness. Live in the moment. Thursday was incredible. Friday should be incredible. You've got this great 
you know, we've got this, uh, we're living in flux right now, Hartzell, yes. between teams on and off the bubble, what's going to happen later today. The cut line is way messier today, in my opinion, in terms of who's in and who's out versus 72 hours ago on a level that I actually did not think was possible. And then, oh, by the way, we've got the coaching changes. What news? Will we literally get news? I don't think we will, but before the end of this podcast, will we get any kind of news on any kind of coaching stuff? I don't think it'll crack that early here on a Friday morning, but that's also uh, in the, you know, in the backdrop if you will we had Frank uh, Frank we had uh, Bruce Weber resign at uh, Kansas State I said Frank I'm waiting to see if Frank Martin will or will not be the coach at South Carolina to me that can go either way at this point um, we also had to, um, Tom Crean finally get fired at Georgia so stuff is uh, is ramping up there but you're the host you take it where you, you want to go how are we doing buddy um, you can you might be able to hear it in my voice man we're, we're a little taxed I mean listen we, we work in sports media all right like it's a great gig but there, it's a busy, busy time of the year. Uh, we've been doing wall-to-wall coverage here in Tampa for our SEC radio. There's the voice for the SEC radio network, which, by the way, if you've got satellite radio, you're cruising around, XM 190, Sirius XM, SEC radio channel 374. Uh, for those of you living in Canada, uh, you can listen on Sirius 134. But, yeah, man, we're doing our thing. Like, here's the deal. The coaching stuff is coming. It's, it's hot and heavy. I get that. Unless something breaks here over the next 45 minutes, and by the way, this is a sprint of a show. Norlander's got to run back to the arena. I've got literally interviews lined up uh, in the 10 o'clock Eastern hour uh, with Bruce Pearl, among others, in downtown Tampa. A lot of high-level meetings, a lot of high-stakes meetings. You love to see it. Uh, I want to talk about these tournaments, man. I, I want to bounce around, and I- I've you've been at the Garden. All right, we'll we'll save we'll, we'll save like some of these other tournaments for a little bit later. But from my perch, Norlander, I've been keeping track of scores. I've been looking at Twitter. I've been glancing at Twitter. Uh, the garden was lit last night. So let, let's start there, man. Take take me inside the garden. Talk about the Big East tournament. This is not a box score show. Okay, we're not we're not reading stat lines here. I but gotcha. In terms of the vibe, right? Like. Did you get goosebumps last night? Like, was it going off? I did not. Okay. I did not. Now, listen. Okay. So, I was at Barclays to start because I'm on the, uh, the the Duke beat, of course. So, I had to be there just in case. And, oh, by the way, Syracuse almost almost bounced Duke right out of the tournament. The final score isn't reflective how close that game was. And if you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. Nobody Bayheim, and yet Syracuse almost does it. Um, that, by the way, is the uh, is the final game of his, uh, of his career. Um... Man, you got to love when I tell sources that I'm podcasting for two hours and they call me anyway. But that's okay. I'm not picking up the call, Hartzell. Um, love to literally see it. as we speak. Literally as we speak right now. What's the area <laughs> I said, code? I mean, just just give me an idea. Like, you know what? I don't know the area code of this, uh, but it's it's in the uh, southeastern portion of the country. Interesting. I literally texted like two minutes before we started. I said, listen, I'm about to go podcast for a couple hours. I can't talk. And they're calling me. We're good. We're good. It's funny. Um, okay, so Duke gets by. I'm going to get to the Garden. But I, I was there for Duke-Syracuse. They move on. By the way, Krzyzewski revealed that he was throwing up the day before because he, Chris Carrywell, some members of the team, apparently they think got food poisoning. <laughs> Brooklyn Fair, not helping out so much. So hopefully Duke will be good <laughs> for the semifinals on Friday night. Uh, Barclays actually was popping to a good degree. I know we all like to make our jokes. About the ACC tournament's location, I've always maintained the ACC tournament. ACC tournament is back where it belongs, 
on Flatbush Avenue, my man. It was a good. Hey, listen, we're in the we're in the capital of, of the Duke fandom of the United States. You know that. I know that. So Duke fans showed up big time. Syracuse fans were decent as well. It's a good environment. Duke wins, yada, yada, yada. And then I was there for Miami, which had one of the coolest, most casual-looking buzzer beaters I've seen in a long time uh, when they squeaked by, oh, by the way, Boston College. Miami, I thought, was in regardless, but if you wanted to make the case that Miami was like flirting with going to Dayton if they had lost to Boston College, I'm here for it. But that didn't happen. It won. It's going to be fine. Um, and, uh, and that was an awesome way to start the day. Then I take the train back to Midtown Manhattan, um, I try and meet up with uh, with my buddies Jeff Goodman, Rob Doster, and Jeff Borzello for a uh, you know intermission dinner that that worked out eventually. But boy, was that a disaster! I mean, I leave it up to these guys to get this stuff done. It's just you know they're in different spots. They don't have a restaurant. The bars are packed. You got all these UConn fans foaming at the mouth to return to the Garden. <laughs> I got the meal in, but it was. Uh, I mean, we're li- we're literally like scarfing down our food at six thirty four, up two blocks away from the garden. Uh, why, it didn't need to be like this, guys. We get back into MSG. Good vibe, pretty good vibe. The first game, it's Nova St. John's. We had teams, by the way. So yesterday, as we tour around the the conference tournaments, how about this? Nova was down seventeen to St. John's, and John, give it up to St. John's fans. I'll take you inside this building. They came out pretty strong. I would argue that the St. John's contingent was matching what Villanova brought into that building on a quarterfinal Thursday. And part of that's because if you're a Villanova fan, you're a little spoiled. Sure. You think, you know, you just get the buy into the semis. I get all that. Nova almost did it. But, I mean, St. John's almost did it. But Nova came down from 17-1. and one. Oh, by the way, elsewhere, Indiana trailed by 17-1 and one yesterday. TCU was down. I didn't see a second of this game. But I saw the final score, and I saw this stat. TCU was down by 20 to Texas and came back and won. Hey, and you all- hey, I got one for you here in Tampa. Vanderbilt trailed Alabama by 15. Doors, baby. Doors. I mean, these teams, how about the doors, man? Break on through. And so they did that, and then Stanford was down 17 against Arizona State uh, uh, and won. So um, that was the previous day. But we've had a lot of rallies in these conference tournaments uh, bubble teams are non-bubble teams. It was. Uh, it's been pretty interesting there. So Nova gets through, and then it's, it's the UConn Seton Hall game, which we're all waiting on. the The environment was pretty good. I wouldn't say it's great. Now tonight, Villanova UConn, MSG semifinal on a Friday in Midtown Manhattan. Oh, it's going to be big time, big, big, big time. So it felt tremendous to be back in that building for that tournament. Again, I think I said this on a recent show. I think I said it on this one. Done a few radio interviews, stuff starting to blend. I was I have never been the guy that like, it's the world's most famous arena. Everything's better at MSG, even though, if we're honest, the fish shows, DMB sets, Big East tournament. Obviously. The building does bring out something special. Am I right? No, I mean, look, there's a banner hanging in the garden for a band. That's all you need to know. And there's also a banner hanging for, uh, is it Billy Joel? Yeah, I think so. Uh, anyway, um, so the point is that there is no league and venue that is better for this week than the Big East and MSG. All due respect to whatever the hell Amelie Arena in Tampa, is that, where, is that what we're rocking with right now? <laughs> uh, yes, sir. That is correct. Accurate. It's just, it, you know, I, Kansas City can always get pumping for the Big 12. So many of these venues can get pumping. It's nothing is like the garden. So it's been great. Later on tonight, 
I'm going to start with Duke, Miami, and Barclays at 7. I'll watch that game, go to pressers. We'll see if I have to write or not. Duke loses, I probably will have to write. If I, and then if I can have the time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scoot on back, try and get into the building for Villanova-UConn, hopefully by, say, like the under eight timeout in the first half. Probably say, I'll probably be here for like halftime. But uh, but yeah, no, Garden was uh, Garden was good, and we got Nova-UConn, and before that we'll have Providence versus Creighton. Providence scooted by Butler, but it's there. And so uh, I think the three most prominent fan bases that really make their presence known at this tournament in this building, even though there are a lot of great ones, I do think it's UConn, Nova, and Providence, and those three will be on hand Friday night. All chalk. It should be noted at the Big East. Top four seats in the semis. All chalk. Just just putting it out there. We'll, we'll talk bubble talk at the end of the show. like Because we've got a situation with Xavier in the Big East. I want to lump that in with some of the other teams that lost uh, on Thursday. L- let, let's, go to, let's go to, where is this? Kansas City? Yeah. Talk to me about the Big 12, man. Baylor losing to Oklahoma. Kind of a segue from the bubble discussion. Sooners, great win. Baylor, bad loss. But obviously, you know, you're, you're zooming out. You take a look at this. Bracket sets up. Kansas TCU in a semifinal today. Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Uh, what do you make of what you've seen so far in the Big 12 tournament? So, uh, Baylor, I actually was, I thought Baylor had an outside shot at being the number one overall seed if it won the Big 12 tournament and in doing so got three more quad one wins because I actually thought its quad one record would stand up well against what Gonzaga had. That's gone. Gonzaga's going to be the number one overall seed there. That's a bit of a stunner, to be honest. And good on Porter Moser and Oklahoma for getting the win uh, in that style. Uh, certainly an impressive, impressive deal there with the, what they were able to do. Um, I'll just kind of hit these real quick. TCU beating Texas is kind of sneaky because what happens is you on these Thursdays and Fridays and every people listening to the show know exactly what I'm talking about. You get into the these days where these big conference tournaments they're in full bloom, right? There's so much happening. I mean, the noon window on Thursday was friggin' phenomenal. Yes, phenomenal, phenomenal, Hartzell. Just this is the best month of the year. And so when you have all of these games happening and you got to see what's happening here. Oh, damn. Look at this game. It was a double digit. It was, they were down 17. And now it's a bucket a bucket difference with two to go. Right? So I feel like Texas, even though it wasn't in the noon window, I feel like Texas losing to TCU gets a bit lost in the mix. Although Beard called out his guys. I saw that video. I didn't see a second of the game, but I saw the video there. Um, TCU is a team that I think once it, like, we'll, we'll see what it does against Kansas. So if it beats Kansas, which it's, it's done in the past two weeks, oh, by the way. Then I feel like TCU, no matter where it's in the bracket, people will take it seriously. I still feel like TCU's going to play Kansas. It's going to lose by nine, and then it's going to get in the bracket, and no one's going to pick the Frogs to win. I'm just telling you, defensively, they're good enough to win, and they're really good on the boards. Just a, 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 an advanced heads up. We'll see if I actually stick to my word when I see what team TCU's faced up against. Texas, though, man, 21-11. <laughs> and 11. This was a team. Now, not I. I did have them preseason top fifteen. I might have had them top twelve. But this was a team that many people thought would be top five in the country. And this is where I actually think this is a good thing for men's college troops, Hartzell. If Texas, forget about the fact that it's just Texas, right? It, it, take, take any kind of team. I know it kind of applies to Texas football as well. But in college football, if you had a team preseason top five that so clearly wasn't a top twenty team by the end of the season, like. 
There'd be some serious roasting going on. Now, Beards, he's just in his first season. I get that. I always felt that his team was overvalued and overrated heading into the season. That proved to be correct. Texas is going to limp into the NCAAs with three consecutive losses. Now, the loss came to Baylor, and then a loss came at Kansas, and then they blew that 20-point lead, and they lost to TCU. So keep that in mind. I don't know what Texas team we're getting. I, the, they're good enough to make the second weekend. I have the... I have the inclination that I'm not going to trust him to do that, though. I don't think that's going to happen there. So, uh, we'll we'll see. Big 12 overall, though. No Oklahoma State, obviously. Kansas State, as mentioned before, Bruce Weber resigned because he's out. West Virginia. I think Bob Huggins got tossed from that game. And then uh, we had Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma and Baylor doings, and, and there we go. And so, yes, we will have TCU Kansas. And then we will have Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Texas Tech just kind of it strolls along. It's gonna it's gonna almost certainly you know make the championship game. Who knows? It might win. It might win the Big Twelve championship. Texas Tech, I think, is firmly a three seed at this point. And I'm we got to kind of wait and see what happens with like Illinois, UCLA around them. Maybe Providence. It's not locked into a three seed. If it were to lose on Friday, and those three teams I just mentioned, Illinois, UCLA, Providence, all won their conference tournaments. Maybe TTU gets bumped to the four, but uh, Big 12 has been fine. But it has, you know, it, the big news is obviously Oklahoma doing what it did against Baylor. No, you, I know you wanted to get to the bubble stuff at the end, but Sooners are not in right now. Definitely not. Got to win at least one more. But that win was as good as any bubble team got on Thursday and will be as good as pretty much any bubble team can get. And I would even include Indiana playing Illinois on Friday in the Big Ten because that would also be Mammoth, but Illinois doesn't rate as well as Baylor. Oh, Oklahoma just, you know, put itself on a rocket into the bubble discussion by getting that huge, huge, shocking win. I think it's shocking. I, almost no one gave Oklahoma a shot to be, to win that game and, and win it. They did. Okay, that's good. Good stuff from Middle America. Uh, I, I want to touch on Vegas just real quick because I've got a take and I, I want to get this out. It's I don't know if I'm the only person in the country with this take, but I, I definitely want to let it be heard here on CSN the Friday of Conference Championship Week. Uh, first, a recap. All chalk. Arizona, Colorado. That's one semifinal. UCLA Southern Cal Part 3 is the other semifinal. Uh, Arizona had a pretty significant injury yesterday, though, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they lost their point guard. He was in a boot. That's significant. That's a problem for the Cats. It is. By the way, you mentioned all chalk. I'm not letting you scoot out out of there without mentioning Mountain West, all chalk. Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State, Wyoming. That's your Mountain West semis. CBS Sports Broadcasting. Those four teams are going to the tournament. Good on the Mountain West. Not only are they going to send four teams to the tournament, they're all comfortably in. Like, we don't have one team that's, like, flirting with going to Dayton. They're all in. They're all going to be playing on Thursday or Friday of next week, and that's a really, really cool thing. I think that's a sneaky one. Just If you're going multiple screens on Friday when you listen to this, make room for the Mountain West. Those could be a pair of awesome games. That, that conference has had a, uh, a penchant for the drama. As for the other stuff in Vegas, and I presume you're not talking whack turning, and that's fine. That's correct. Pac-12. Pac-12. Kirk Carissa does get injured. Now, we're waiting on updates as we do this this morning. Like, it's, you know, I don't even know if Tommy Lloyd's awake at this point uh, out in Vegas. I mean, who knows? These he coaches left the don't arena a in a boot. That's, that's not good. He did. Now, a severe sprain, how severe is it? Because it's damaging. I'll be, I'll be clear on this, though. That's not going to impact where Arizona gets seated. So even if Arizona were to lose on Friday in the semifinals and we and we see that, you know, Colorado knocks off the Wildcats, which has happened before. Yeah, that could bump Arizona from the one line. 
But if Arizona wins the Pac-12 tournament without Kirk Reese, or if it wins Friday and then loses in the title game, because Kirk Reese's status might be uncertain, and may, it might not be uncertain. They might come out and say, listen, this is a, an ankle. We're going to take it day by day and whatever. The committee's not going to be like, oh, okay. So they don't know they might not have Kirk Reese, so let's dock him a seat. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. He's not that good, and it unless they say it's season-ending, I don't think they dock him. I, I Personally, I don't think that happens. I don't think it's that dramatic of an injury but it does mean i tell you what if this is one of those things where because he couldn't put any pressure on it if it's one of those things where like he won't fully heal for weeks then it undeniably puts arizona's championship bona fides into question i think that's clear uh by the way your boy you're you're not gonna be surprised by this i don't know if he'd be proud of me but like i get back to the hotel i'm locked into washington usc that game ended at like 150 in the morning on the east coast time but i was locked in I so, see. USC scooted past. That that is a perfect. I was I, I was locked there into the Washington is. men's basketball radio feed, and there uh, shout out Tony Castricone. Hell of a job there on that is. little stretch there where Washington made it tight. But um, yeah, Washington. I I thought you were going to be an NIT team for like twenty five seconds, um, but then USC just took care of business in the in the last minute there. Okay, well, so I too was grinding Norlander. Well, love to hear it, Serber. Love it. Serber coming in from the from the top rope there. I, that's phenomenal. Now, here's what all three of us have in common. I, too, was watching Southern Cal and Washington to the conclusion, okay? So, I get so back proud. to the room. So proud of you right now. I'm raging. A lot of adrenaline. I mean, that's what happens when you nail the dismount on these broadcasts. Four games in one day, wire-to-wire coverage. I mean, you just you got to hold the pose at the end. So, listen, I'm watching the game, and this segues into my take. That I teased earlier. Still holding. Still holding. Southern Cal. Yeah, they're 26 and 6. They're projected to be a five seed, Norlander. Is that about right? Five seed in the dance? Give or take? I'd say that's I'd say that's I say that's fair, except I would say at this point I'd be surprised if they were a five. Call them a, call them a six. These guys are shaky at best. <laughs> I wouldn't go anywhere near the Trojans with a 10-foot pole when that bracket comes out on Sunday night. The basketball IQ, or lack thereof, the late-game execution, the inability... Now listen, I know Washington is a defensive team, okay? Mike Hopkins hangs his hat on defense. That being said, this team has nearly yacked up quite a few games in conference play. They're paper tigers, whatever the 12 or 13 seed is that's facing the Trojans when that bracket comes out on Sunday... Give them to me. Jackrabbits, give them to me. I don't care. Ramblers, the mean green of North Texas, like whatever 12, the mocks of Chattanooga, like whatever 12 or 13 seed you're going to have up against the the mighty Southern Cal Trojans. Just, I mean, I I, I do not trust these guys. Uh, It's just, they're not good, Matt. I'm I mean I, I I'm sure you're tight with Coach Enfield. The, the, I wouldn't look, define my relationship as tight. I, right, I know him. Look. He just got himself a nice contract extension. Good for him. Out of the Maryland picture, I maintain the whole time. I'm not going to come here and say like I've been banging the table. He's not going to Maryland. I haven't been doing that, but I also remained skeptical that he would actually leave the SoCal no pressure life when a contract extension was clearly going to be offered to him to move across the country at a much more fervent fan base that holds you to a much higher standard when there's no reason to do that right now. He has no job pressure. He got an extension. He's done well. 
He's on his way to becoming one of the best coaches in USC's program's history. So long as he just does this, like get USC to a point where it's a five through 10 seed on an annual basis, you're you're fine. I'm not going to say they'll build a statue for you, but like he can do this for another 10 years. I hear you on the actual quality of USC's team. Buyer beware. Not unthinkable that it can make another second weekend run like it did last season when it made the Elite Eight. It did also have a top three NBA talent on its team when it did that. But if you're looking at the teams in the Pac-12, remember the Pac-12 last season, it's it's only going to send three this year unless Colorado is a bid thief. Yep. Ooh, we got some bid thieves on the table for Friday, by the way. If Colorado does that, then the Pac-12 will send four. But let's say it doesn't. The Arizona and UCLA are the two teams you're looking at. And then if Kirk Reese is hurt, like, yeah, it's it's... On the table, I don't know if I'm going to say it's likely, but it's on the table that the Pac-12 will send three and then get none into the Sweet 16. So I hear you. Yeah. I just I want to put it on the record the week before the tournament actually commences that I don't trust these guys. They're going to lose. You can go ahead and lock it up right now. Okay? Lock it up. Lock it up. Don't trust these cats. All right. Let's go to Indianapolis. I want to talk Big Ten tournament. Again, I, I want to save the bubble discussion for the end of the show. Obviously, Indiana's win over Michigan, significant. Wolverines, one of several teams on Thursday with a massive second-half lead that they could not hold. It's a bad loss. Indiana is into the quarterfinals. They get top seed Illinois. That's an early game. I mean, by the time this episode drops, that game is like minutes away from tipping. 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. You love to see it, Norlander. You love to see it. Elsewhere, (laughs) Iowa, 112 points. Like, Virginia can't score 112 in three games, let alone one. So, I mean, takeaways from a busy day in Indianapolis. Big Ten tournament yeah. takes. Norlander, what you got? All right. I, again, we're saving the bubble stuff for the back end of the show. So, um, I, I have nothing to provide for Indiana-Michigan in that regard other than Indiana kept its season alive. I'll make my case for and against the Hoosiers if a loss were to come against Illinois in just a bit here. Um since the Big Ten wraps on Sunday, right before the selection show, later on Friday, that's when you're going to get Illinois, Wisconsin, Purdue, um, and Rutgers. Uh, and we'll get to Rutgers in the bubble portion. Uh, those are the teams that are going to play later on uh, today. As for the games that went down on Thursday, well, give it up to Penn State. Bid Thief in the tall grass knocks out Ohio State, a team that is just rickety heading into the NCAA tournament. And I, I don't quite get it. Now, it's defense is a huge issue, but it's got an NBA first-round talent, Malachi Branham. It's got, a, it's got an undeniable top-10 player in the sport in EJ Liddell. This team got knocked out of the first round last year as a two-seed. I, I don't know what Ohio State team we're going to get when the, when the big bracket gets here. I'm prone to actually go against the grain and like pick Ohio State to make the Sweet 16 because they're going to be faded so hard. Keep that in mind. It is a top 12 offense in the country. It is capable. It's just been really bad. as well. Now, this might be a great example of a team that, you know what? They're one and done in their conference tournament. It's Seton Hall, I think, the same thing. Now, Seton Hall had done a lot of winning as of late, but like sometimes like coaches, a lot of them will not say this publicly, and it's, this is not every coach. It's definitely not every coach. This is probably the minority of coaches, but sometimes coaches will be like, would we have loved to have won a conference tournament championship? Obviously, but it's not the worst thing in the world for us to get an extra two days of rest and recuperation and really just 
unplug for a quick second before we got to go play in this tournament. I think Ohio State's going to benefit from that kind of thing the same way that Seton Hall might, but I don't like Seton Hall's prospects quite as much. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, uh, you had Michigan State struggle winning, struggle winning against Maryland, but they got it done. Um, Maryland season comes to an end. The job opening there really gets a push now. Kevin Willard is the most prominent name attached to that job. I can see it, but at the same time, some some part of me still thinks there's there's someone else. I don't know. That's a pretty tight lip search right now. So we'll see how much that picks up. Uh, if it's going to be Willard, you know, they got to get knocked out of the tournament first. So we'll wait and see on all of that. Um, and I think that's pretty much it from the Big Ten. Oh, Iowa. I didn't see any of the Iowa game, but they were they were on fire, dude. I'm going to bring up this. I'm going to bring up this result right now. So Iowa wins one twelve to seventy six. They dropped one hundred twelve points in regulation in a conference tournament game. Uh, points per possession. One point five three. Okay, that I, if you don't really follow per possession and tempo free stats, one point five three points per possession is so good that no matter the te- like, even if it's a top ten team playing a bottom thirty team in a bye game in the middle of November, like you get, you get maybe ten games a season where a team averages a point and a half per possession. You're, if you're doing good, if you're at like 1.07, 1.08 points per possession, Northwestern yesterday was 1.04. Let me pick another team that actually got a good win yesterday just to see that I know played well. Like Duke played well. I'm going to guess blindly here. Duke defensively was bad, but offensively was on it. I'm going to say Duke was at, Duke had a good game yesterday. I'll say Duke was at 1.2 points per possession. Yesterday, Duke was at 1.28, so even better there. Iowa was 1.53. That's a joke, man. And now it's going to get Rutgers in a huge game for Rutgers on Friday. Iowa's safely in, just kind of trying to nudge up the seed line. Just trying to get those, you know, better and better opportunities there. And that is your Big Ten recap, not including the bubble situation. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. By the way, by March standards, by conference tournament week standards, uh, Rutgers is a significant underdog. Against Iowa today, despite Let me guess being it. the four seed, Let me I guess was surprised. It. I'm not surprised they're an under. Uh, so you telling me that? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say eight point five. Rutgers is a six and a half point dog. Uh, that's not that's not significant. That's three possessions, man. Like there was a, Rutgers, here's the thing you, you touched on this earlier. The early session of games on Thursday, I, I took a screenshot. I tweeted this out. I don't tweet very much because I'm not good at social media. But I looked at my I looked at my score app. There were five games. All of them were either tied or it was like a one point lead. <laughs> like, I mean, it was like it was just insane yesterday. And I mean, that's that's what happens. It's that time of the year. So anyway, Big Ten tournament top four seeds take the floor for the first time in the quarterfinal round. That will be fun. Uh, Norlander, you'll be bouncing back and forth between the Garden and uh, Barclays. Although these games start early, your games start late, so you'll actually get a chance to watch. Some big very excited, big games. day, okay. big day. Working the working the phones, trying to get see what the buzz is. Watching these games, 
It's going to be a great one. Well, we, we saved the best for last. Downtown Tampa, the site. Amelie Arena. I mean, it just means more, right? SEC men's basketball tournament. Whew, buddy. I mean, take us take us in because I had I brought the I brought the iPad here and so I'm going I'm getting a little game watch here and there. Guess what? Didn't dial into the SEC tournament once on Thursday. Of course you didn't. Of course How's you that didn't. fan that, situation that, I mean, that, working that's, out for that's you? That's classic Northeast media bias. Dude, those games those games were of the all the power conferences. You can make a case for Pac-12. Not that there weren't urgent games. Florida Florida lost. It was in a tight one. A and M. I got it. That's actually a lie. I did. I did find Florida A&M for like the final. That went OT. So I got like, what, the final two minutes in OT. I did watch that one. But yeah, bring it, bring us into the arena. How is, how is it down there? Well, first of all, it's 85 degrees and sunny outside. So, I mean, there's a breeze coming in from the bay. It is, I mean, really nice. Okay. There's this boats. is now the permanent home of the SEC tournament. This is where it should be, right? By the way, I mean, I, again, like I, I don't get geeked up about like celebrities and stuff. Like I'm not out there with like my autograph pad. Uh, Rick Flair's got a boat parked right outside the hotel. Okay, like he's hanging out in the lobby, just taking pictures. He's he's literally claiming like every school in the tournament. You know what I mean? Like he's just walking around, gold chains and everything. I don't know what's in his glass. I'm sure it's not iced tea. But my man is living the good life still to this day. So that's what's going on outside. Here's the deal, man. The top four seeds have not yet taken the floor. That happens today. All right. Auburn gets Texas A&M. That's the early game. Arkansas LSU should be fantastic. Norlander, when you looked up yesterday and saw LSU up on Missouri 34 to 9 in the first half, that didn't pique your interest? Like that that didn't do Only anything in regard for you? to uh Conza Martin's job status. I mean, as we sit here Friday morning. Uh, it's it's being indicated to me that that will uh, be a severing of of ties. Although I did have one person connected to the program say maybe not can see it, but like don't don't absolutely take it to the bank. But I think there's going to be a change there. The the buzz here in the arena, you, you know, you, you're talking to media guys, you're talking to folks who follow the league all season. I'm hearing as many as six job changes in the SEC. It's on the t- it's it's on the table. I don't think it's going to be six. Um, that's funny. Uh, I, cause I put that out there in my coaching carousel post. I put, the, I actually put six out there was as many as six, that exact uh, language. So maybe people are reading cbsports.com and they're just, uh, they're passing word along. I don't think it's going to be six. We're at one right now with Tom Crean. I think there's a chance we could get to two by the end of Friday. And I think it's a guarantee we get at, le- I think we're getting, mm-hmm, we're getting at least three. We probably should get four. But yeah, I think as many as six are on the table. But by the way, just to go back to the LSU Missouri game, which had again no one watching outside of friends and family, when it was thirty four nine LSU, Missouri covered at the end of the game. Just putting that out there, they lost by eight. So again, just just be careful this time of the year, folks. Just no lead is safe. Be careful if you don't have the stomach for this stuff. I, I, again, like I, I don't blame you. Like it's dangerous. Okay, you, you've got to be certified, certifiably insane to do this stuff. Uh, Tennessee, Mississippi State in the night session. Vols are sneaky, dude. These guys, they've won nine of ten to close out the regular season. They've beaten everybody in the SEC. All right, they've got wins over Auburn. They got wins over Arkansas. They got wins over Kentucky. They've got a win over some team called Arizona that you might have heard of. Like. 
you know, yeah, they didn't win the conference. They didn't win the league. They're not the number one seed. They're not Kentucky. I get it. But Rick Barnes' team, and, and I know what you're going to say about Rick Barnes. He has a penchant for underachieving in the NCAA tournament, going back to his days at Texas. You're not wrong there. But, man, if you're looking for, like, an undervalued team come next week, I don't know how they're going to do here in Tampa. But if there is a team that is flying under the radar that's going to be, like, a top three seed, balls. Balls. They won't be flying under the radar if they make the SEC title game, which is obviously on the table. You said they got Mississippi State? Yeah, they got Ben Howell. Yeah, that's another, uh, that's another opening that... Uh, I mean, that, that feels like at the one-yard line to me. I'd be stunned if Ben Howland's still coaching there. So we'll see if they come out with some fight, though. We'll see if they come out with some fight. It is going to be a good... Listen, SEC is going to be... Re- I think the SEC is going to be really good on Friday. Now, there is the potential for the top four seeds to go top four seed and win you know, by an average of nine points, and maybe it's not good, but I don't know. I, I think we'll have a pretty, uh, a pretty good and intriguing one there. Um, but yeah, for that league, from for my purposes, it's a it's a balance between seeing okay, can Auburn stay on the one line? Can Kentucky get to the one line? And then all the coaches whose seasons end, are they going? Are we going to have changes or not there? Because the SEC will be have more changeover than any other power conference. The interesting change of pace, just to close out the Tampa talk. Kentucky is the three seed. They're at the bottom of the bracket. Okay, usually Kentucky's sitting there at the one line. Okay, so they're like the first game of the day. Or at war, you know, usually they're like the first game of the night session. They're not the last game of the day. Kentucky fans have been here since Tuesday. Okay, so that place is going to be rocking. All the Kentucky fans are going to be rooting for Mississippi State because they do not want Tennessee. Like, I'm, I'm not here to say that, like, Kentucky's scared of Tennessee, but Kentucky fans don't want to see Tennessee. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun inside Amelie Arena. So, Norlander, do you want a T-shirt or anything, buddy? You want like a pennant? You want me to get you anything on the house? Like, I'm all set, my man. I got guys. Like me and the league I'm are sure pretty tight. Do. So, you just let me know if you change your mind. I'll get you, you know, get you an Auburn T-shirt or something. You know, turn a lot of turn a lot of heads up there in Connecticut. They probably never even heard of Auburn. Uh, all right, so let's talk bubble teams, shall we? Or, or, or I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. Before we do that, any single bid stuff that you want to get off your chest, things that we need to know about, things we need to get emotional about as we get ready to head into the weekend? No, because, first of all, a lot of these single bid leagues are playing on Friday, so we don't even have the matchups there. Um, so when you're listening, if you're listening to the pod on Friday, which I know realize most of you will, maybe some are getting in a, a Saturday listen, uh, we have 15 auto bids getting handed out on Saturday. And so... We'll just see what comes from it. <laughs> like, it starts with the America East. I love it. Brunch in a title game, always 11 a.m. tip for America East, and then you get going, and then, uh, I mean, it wraps up with the Big West crowning a champion around 1.45 in the morning. On Is that a real conference, the Big West? Did you just make up a conference? Come on, man. Come on. Give me a team in the Big West. You see Irvine. Anteaters? You see Santa Barbara. Anteaters, that's right. Interesting. Long Beach State. The Keep beach. an eye out. Dan Munson having a big year. Interesting. All right. Well, you learned something. But no. Oh, the, uh, no. I, I would say no. In terms of like single bid stuff, I don't have too much for you. Thursdays and Fridays are for the big boys. And oh, by the way, uh, kind of speaks to like, and I don't fault you for this whatsoever, but the American is having such a down year. It wasn't even on our rundown because guess what? The American rates comfortably behind the Mountain West this season. So, you know, that... Uh, that conference tournament situation 
you know, just a bit of an afterthought. Listen, we're waiting if, to see if you're playing your conference tournament in an arena called Dickies Arena. Dickies, get out of here. Yep. By the I mean, way, I have a Dickies going down in Fort Worth. I have a Dickies sweatshirt. By the way, I wear it in the yard. Oh, but hey, on this note, real quick. So one thing on the American uh, game wise, and one thing uh, outside the games. So we're just waiting to see if, if SMU can win its way into the at large picture. It plays Tulsa on Friday. That's a you gotta gotta win it to maintain your case. And if they do win it, SMU will actually have a pretty intriguing case. And then Memphis should be in. The American actually could turn into a three bid league. Could have as many bids in the tournament as the Pac-12. Just keep it in mind. It's certainly out there. Um, the league has somehow managed to put itself in position to get three bids to the tournament where until a week ago, it didn't seem like anything more than two was possible. The other thing was I asked Dan Hurley after the game about getting to play in the garden because here's the deal, man. When he got the UConn job, UConn was in the American Athletic Conference and his huge push, and it's some of it was public, but a lot of it was behind the scenes was like, he went to his athletic director, Dave Benedict. We have to get it back into the Big East. Like, if you want UConn to be UConn again, we can't be playing at Dickies. And so I asked I asked Hurley how great it felt. Because last year there weren't fans in the building when UConn played in the Big East tournament. And the year before that, UConn wasn't in the Big East. And he he held back, but he had some, some shots at, at UConn's former conference. And the, he said, I think... Uh, he said, yeah, this is our first like conference tournament environment in like three years, if not more, because, uh, you know, last year we were in the garden, there were no fans here. And, you know, two years ago, I don't know, where were we? Were we in Texas? Where was it Memphis? Um, there weren't a lot of fans there. And, you know, UConn fans couldn't really travel to it. So, uh, yeah, it was a great, it was, a, it was just a phenomenal environment tonight. And, you know, he held back from going further, but it meant a ton to Hurley, that fan base, that program to uh, to return to MSG. And again, I can't wait to get to the Garden tonight because Nova versus UConn, those two fan bases packing the building, sold out, going to be awesome. But let's talk bubble. All right, I'm going to tee this up for you. Teams that lost earlier this week, early exits in conference tournaments. I'm going to give you four of them. You tell me which of these is in the most trouble. You ready? Fire away. What are you eating, by the way? Nothing right now. You were eating something a moment ago. Oh, man. I ate it way off, Mike. You could still pick that up. My ears are my instrument, Norlander. I server knows this. You can't sneak anything past me, dude. I got myself a New York slice. No, I went and I went around the corner. I got myself a little bagel, egg, and cheese. You know what? I had to scarf. I had to scarf. I had one more bite. I took care of it. Dude, those New York bagels do hit different. Like, but they don't hit as good as Montreal bagels, just so we're clear. That's such a... Bizarre take. Uh, what kind of no, bagel? No, Montreal has the best bagels in the world. It's what, not bizarre. What kind of bagel? I, I went sesame today. Sesame, egg, and cheese. I respect the hell out of that. I'm, I'm a sesame guy. A little sesame, a little Gotta schmear. Yeah, Gotta love do. it. Can't go poppy, though. Can't go poppy. You never know. They no, might, no, no. Uh, I'm they not might need a urinalysis. You never know. Yeah. All right. Four teams that lost early in the week. Rank these in terms of, like, Who's going to be sweating on Sunday? I think they're all going to be sweating, but like, who's going to be sweating the most? You ready for these? Xavier, Michigan, Wake Forest, Florida. Florida's out. Out. They're done. Done. Out. No chance. No chance. I would be stunned if Florida made the field. Stunned. 
Mike White's not making the field. That's a job to watch. We'll see. Um, Xavier, Michigan. What was the other one? Wake Forest. <laughs> I tweeted this on Wake Forest. I don't think the Deeks are getting in. I don't think they're getting in. Okay, so here were the numbers I tweeted out uh, after their loss, and I'll see what needs to be amended, if anything. Wake Forest, 23-8 and eight overall, 7-7 seven and seven road neutral record, which is solid. 500 on your road and neutral away from your home place. That's solid. Now let me bring up, you know what, I'm going to bring up their quad numbers right now here. Let's see where they're at. I don't think they can get in. Their non-conference strength of schedule. Oh my gosh, it was bad. I'm going to bring it up because it, these these numbers can get tweaked on the on the daily as results change them. Wake Forest non-con is 343, 343. Now again, I don't fault Forbes in his second season for scheduling terribly when he couldn't have expected they would have been for sure in the NCAA tournament picture. But I do think that's going to be the breaking point because. Wake Forest right now. Okay. 45 in the net. Results-based metrics. This team is not in the field. 67 in KPI, 47 in strength of record. Again, strength of record and KPI don't have any predictives to it. It's not like Ken Palm. It's not like Sagarin. It doesn't tell you how – it's not helping you bet these games and all that stuff. It is simply who you played if you won and how that balances out against the rest of the sport. Wake Forest is 67th in KPI – 47th in strength of record. The predictives are a bit more generous. 37 Kempom, 38 BPI, 45th in the net. Quad records. Wake Forest 2 and 4 quad 1, 3 and 3 in quad 2. That's sub 500 in quad 1 and 2. It's got two Q3 losses. Wake's not getting in. Xavier is also a hard sell. Keep in mind, we have teams now at the table knocking on the door. Oklahoma has entered the picture. Virginia Tech has entered the picture. These are teams that were not competing with the likes of Xavier previously. Okay? VCU has a shot. Dayton is not unthinkable. It needs to make the A-10 tournament title game, though, to get there. BYU is also lingering around, although it's not playing any more games. I think BYU's out, but it's still at least there. If UAB were to make the CUSA championship game, I don't think it gets in. But Lasers! Just keep an eye if it gets to the CUSA championship game. That's all I'm saying. By the way, just because you brought up UAB, Andy Kennedy, hell of a job, man. Like, with all these SEC openings, you bring back AK? Maybe. I don't think that's happening. But, yeah. Um, And then you got Texas A&M now at the door as well. So you've got some competition, not not to mention, but I'll mention it, SMU, certainly, trying to get into the field. Notre Dame's resume, oh, by the way, Come on. I think the Irish... Listen to me. They're a two-seed in the ACC tournament. It does not matter. If you look at Notre Dame's resume, now that win over Kentucky is going to win the day. That's what's going to happen. But if Notre Dame, which got beat on Thursday, gets sent to Dayton, this guy right here won't be stunned. It's actually not that good. Although, I also get a vibe off of Notre Dame. Like, what you're getting at Hartzell could be accurate. Committee gets in the room. Yeah, it looks at the resume. Then they say, yeah, we know the ACC's down, but this is the number two seed in the ACC. We're going to send the number two seed to to Dayton. Uh, so if I look up and I see Notre Dame on the 10 line, I'll be like, that's 
you can't justify putting Notre Dame on a 10 line. You just can't at this point. I think it's an 11 at best. Question is, is, is an 11 going to Dayton or is it just an 11 that's in the field of 64? Um, but if the committee has them in easily, I won't be surprised. But they're shaky. I think they're in. Xavier is a tough one. It's a tough one, man. I That loss to Butler, highly damaging. 40th in the net. Again, results-based metrics are not kind. 46 in KPI, 62 in strength of record. Not good. Predictives aren't helping. They're not They're not 39 or better in any team sheet metric. The best is the net, and they're 40. They're sub 500 in quad one and quad two, although they're 9 and 11. That's better than Wake. Xavier's better than Wake right now, for sure. Two quad three losses, just like Wake Forest. And then the last one is Michigan. So Michigan, I tweeted this out. Michigan is trying to become the fifth team, not accounting for last year when the schedules were smaller. So your inventory wasn't as large. It wasn't a normal year. Um, Michigan would be the fifth team to get in at large being three games or fewer above 500. I think it's tricky. Five and 10 in quad one, three and three in quad two. That's an eight and 13 overall record. Now that's a lot of good games against good teams, but they're severely under 500 there. They also have a quad three loss. Their metrics rate better than Xavier and Wake Forest. Michigan is ahead in the pecking order. If you're the type that believes the committee will put in a program like Michigan because it's a huge brand of the first four to get ratings, you go ahead and believe that. I know how the process works. That's just not what happens. Michigan, if it gets in, it's going to Dayton. I'm just telling you. A team that's three games above 500 is not safely in the field. So I'm going to strongly declare that if Michigan's in, and I'm leaning that Michigan gets in, talk to me if, uh, if A&M's in the SEC championship game, Oklahoma wins again. VCU wins the A-10 over Davidson, stuff like, or Dayton wins the... Uh, talk to me then, I guess. We might have to reevaluate. But I think Michigan, if it's in, it's in Dayton. Three. Uh, that's a lot of losses. 17-14, that's a lot of losses there, Hartzell. Um, I'm loving this cut line situation because it's straight up foggy right now. Now, I do think we could get clarity in about 24 hours' time. I think that's possible in terms of... You know, teams that play today, if they don't play well, if they lose, then maybe that changes things or... Frankly, you know, if like if AM wins today, I think AM's in. And this happens almost every year where you have a team that is just irrelevant the entire season. You almost never see them on TV. They don't have games against highly ranked teams. They don't get good wins or big wins. And then you look up and it's 72 hours of selection Sunday and it's like, hot damn, when you really look at this team's resume, they're right there. And that's Texas AM, man. They've been existing in the ether for three and a half months. And now they're right there. They're one more win from getting in. I really think that. I think one more win will put Texas A&M into the field, which is wild to me. But credit to Buzz Williams for for getting that done. We got a bunch near the cut line. Let me go over these teams real quick. Housekeeping just knocked on my door, by the way. Love it. That happened to me on the Ion College Basketball Podcast last week. uh, Hang on. You you do your thing. I'm just going to let her know that she can't come in. You got to go do your thing. I'm going to read off some bubble teams real quick. All right. Michigan, again, right now I'm saying it's in, but it's not safely in. Davidson's in, just so we're clear on that. Miami's in, so we're super clear on that. I didn't think it was in any danger. 
Notre Dame's in. Why didn't you put the do not disturb sign on the door? I I understand. Listen, man, I don't come. No, I I might need to do that, too. You're you're right. It's really a rookie move by you. Hang on a second. Why don't you just hang it on as soon as you get to the room? That's what I do. I like getting fresh towels. I like my bed getting made. It's a rare thing, but we're in Florida. COVID doesn't exist here. And so, you know, we get housekeeping. Gotcha. Okay, sorry, Norlander. You may continue. We get it. All Notre right. Dame might be in. Okay, cool. Notre Dame's what, what, in. What about the but Hokies? I think it's shaky. What about the Hokies, man? I'm getting there. Hold on. Wake Forest out. Xavier out. Rutgers in for now. It has to beat Iowa, in my opinion. The metrics are so bad across the board. Like, they're so low that even though Rutgers has better wins than any other bubble team on balance. They also have horrendous losses. I think Rutgers will not get in if it loses to Iowa on Friday. SMU out, but in if it if it gets the American Championship game, I think. If North Texas does not win the CUSA auto bid, I believe North Texas should be in, but it's going to be a tricky situation. VCU's close. It needs at least one more win. Indiana is out as far as I'm concerned right now. A win against Illinois changes it. I would have Indiana in with a win. Man, the Big Ten, three fascinating bubble situations between Michigan, Rutgers, and Indiana. I love it. Oklahoma's out. It's in with one more win. And again, I understand that as I'm saying this, it's going to nudge other teams out. I get that. We have a lot of fogginess around this cut line. Oklahoma needs another win. VCU needs at least one, probably two. Indiana needs one. BYU is going to get squeezed out. It's not playing anymore. I don't see how BYU gets into this field personally. Um, Dayton needs to minimally make the A-10 championship game. If Virginia Tech gets one more win on Friday, and that's Virginia Tech versus North Carolina. I I want to say Virginia Tech's in, but again, as I'm saying all this, like you gotta, if you're gonna move one in, you gotta bump one out, and I'm gonna have to do the the long division on all that. Florida out, and I'm probably in with one more win. Man, there are we have gotten to a situation, guys. It feels like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve teams. Floating around five spots right now near the cut line. It's awesome. Love it. That's, that's all I got. The, that that that's the show. Like we we have to go. Like I I've, I've we, got we, we got to get out of here. I've got I got, I got nothing for you. Do you wanted a record to listen to? I got nothing for that you. was from earlier in the week. Thanks for reading the doc. Glad I go through all that show prep to put things on the doc that nobody reads. It was Thanks. one line in the doc, Hartzell. I mean, you're over there getting you know bagel and schmear. Eating during the show. During the show. Egg and cheese, I not would, a schmear. I would recommend something to you, Hartsville. Usually when I recommend or let you borrow things, you just ignore them completely oh, for I eight I got months. one. No, I got one for him. I got one for him. I'm a music connoisseur such as yourself, this is a, a bit of an acquired taste, but I think it's up your alley. Definitely in that part of the country, too. One of the uh, great, great artistic achievements of the 70s. Because that's your go-to, right? Steve Miller Band's Greatest Hits. Okay. You're welcome. I'm so mad at you guys, like both of you, individually and as a group. Like, I'm what did just, I do? What you, did you, I do? You took another shot because I've been hanging on to your Beatles anthology for seven months. Watch okay? it, and why well, you watch the freaking Kanye documentary, dude? That clown? You'd rather watch that clown? That was before he became became a serial stalker and started making music videos that involved burying people alive. Well, he but, put the, he put clarify. the red he put the red hat on six years ago, just okay. to clarify. All right, yeah, and, and I wanted to know how we got there. I wanted to know <laughs> the story. For God's sakes, he's Matt Norlander from CBS Sports. I'm Stephen Hartzell. He is Michael Serber. We are College Sports Now. Next time we talk to you will be next week. And you know what we'll have, Norlander? You know what we'll all be holding? Brackets. The bracket.
Enjoy the tournament, everybody, the tournaments, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. That's the show. See ya. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. <laughs>